All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to start in Isaiah uh, chapter 30, verse 15, and we're going to dive right in here with, uh, with rest and Sabbath. So why don't we start there, Isaiah 30, verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. Hmm. <laughs> For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. In returning and rest you shall be saved. In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. This stands in stark contrast to the spirit of the world. This, this stands in stark contrast to the accusations of the world that call us into um, conflict, call us into having to choose a side, call us into looking and being out for blood. Um, there, it's, a, it's a very different thing, isn't it, to see the, the, the Lord Almighty saying to us, and he's speaking to, the, to Israel here, and he's calling them to repentance, actually. They, in their time, in their nation, are seeking to establish their own way, and they're choosing other things, and he's saying, that's not what I chose for you. That's not how I want to save you. I don't want to save you through your own strength and your own sufficiency. I don't want to save you through this tumult. I don't want to save you through false prophecies. I'm going to save you, says the Lord, in returning and rest. And, and, and this rest that we are invited into, it comes from the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace. God invites us into his completed work. And so I want to talk to you today about that because that's part of our birthright. That's part of the way that God is releasing the kingdom of heaven through us. But you guys realize, of course, that we cannot give away what we don't have. Amen? I can't help you. You know, if you need money and, and I don't have any, I can't really help you with that need, can I? Well, this world needs peace. This world needs the kingdom of heaven, and we are actually called at, 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 at the very outset to be able to be a, a sign that points towards the reality of the kingdom of heaven. And one of those things that is our birthright that God gives us is rest. And so we have to have that internally before we can give it away, and, and thankfully, he kind of does them both at the same time, because when everybody is looking for, for rest, when everybody is looking for truth and true peace, and you begin to walk around with it, believe me, they take notice that you are suddenly of a different spirit than what's going on here. Amen? So rest is an internal state of peace with God. It's an internal state of peace with God and self. Rest is an internal state of peace with God and self and others. I was reading through First um, uh, Corinthians 13 about love. You know, it, it's, it never fails. It's not puffed up. It's not easily offended. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And it never fails. Did I mention that? I think I did. And you look at what is being offered in the spirit of this world, and it's the opposite of that. Really, what God has done inside of us and what he invites us into is this place of rest, this internal peace with God and self. God is actually offering us, through what he's done, the opportunity to, to do something that is foreign to us. Because until we meet with God, and each of us has felt this at some time, let me tell you what it is. 
Until we meet with God, until we make peace through Christ, until we are saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, until we receive that Jesus says, I actually lived the life you should have lived, died the death you deserve to die, so that you can live the life that I live and live the life that I deserve. And when we receive that, suddenly we can rest from our own efforts. We can rest from that constant sense of falling short, that constant sense of knowing that we're not enough, that constant sense of knowing, like, I actually do not have what it takes. I know that at the end of the day, if it is dependent on me to make my own way and to be able to justify my own existence, to justify this life, I know that I'm not enough. I know that I'm falling short. I know my own weaknesses. I know my own propensities. And at the end of the day, if it's up to me to prove my own worth, then I can never rest. The best I can do is just keep working. The best I can do is just try to outrun this, this ongoing internal accusation against me that I know I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not loving enough, I'm not generous enough. Come on, even after a really good day, by the end of it, you're like, I deserve something. And then, you know, it all falls apart, right? Is anybody identifying with what I'm saying? And so we've all, we've all heard that voice, that internal accusation that you got to just keep working. Why? Because if it's up to you, you know at the end of the day you don't have what it takes. But God actually comes in and invites us to accept that, yes, we don't have what it takes, but that Christ in us is enough. That Jesus' life and death and resurrection is the power by which we live and that we are actually joining with him. So suddenly now we get a rest that comes from embracing his life. We can rest from our own works because he actually accomplished everything that was needed. Now this is foundational to the faith. You guys have heard this. You guys have heard this. However, oftentimes I think what happens is we don't realize how profoundly important this is that we, we're invited to have no one to impress and nothing to prove. Until we accept Christ himself, we have to constantly work to make sure impress, impress everyone and to prove to everyone that we're worth it. And the, and the person that's the hardest to convince is the person looking back at us from the mirror because the person in the mirror knows that we're not enough. The person in the mirror knows it. And so we hear that. And there's also, by the way, lest I forget, you have an enemy. I have an enemy. We have an enemy. He's called the Satan. It means adversary. He is the adversary. We have an adversary. And he has another name. Do you know what it is? The accuser. He, he r just runs around. He's got a third of the angels that turned against God. And they run with the same press campaign. And all they do is go around accusing you to me and me to you and God to us. You're God. Oh, he's dropping the ball. He's horrible. He doesn't even like you. He's got all the power and he's upset with you. He is the accuser and he, 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 that's his job. That's what he does. He lies to us and he tells you you're not enough. And he tells you your neighbor's not enough. And he tells you you're the problem. And, so, and the, the bummer is, is that he's partially right about a lot of this. And we begin to have an internal world that cannot rest until, until we accept 
the death, the life, and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. And suddenly then, we're invited to actually come to a place of rest because we're no longer, we're no longer counting on our own accomplishments. We're no longer counting on having to have the last word in an argument. We, we, we actually, when, when, our, when our adversary comes to us, in fact, at this point, and he reminds us that we're not enough, we actually say, oh, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. I was actually starting to get really stressed out because I started to think I was enough, but I appreciate you bringing it up. I'm not enough. You're, oh, thank you. In fact, oh, I'm, that is, oh, Jesus, thank you. And you just turn around and you begin to meditate on the fact that Christ in you is enough. In fact, 1 John 4, 4 says just that. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. So that's, the, that's what's enough for the world. Jesus in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory, that's where my confidence is in. It's not in my works. It's in his works. It's not in my ability. It's in his ability. Now, does that abdicate me from, from, from following him? No, it actually frees me up to work on what he's called me to do and to not focus on things he hasn't called me to do. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Are you guys tracking with me so far? See, rest is the result of a complete trust in God. His love for you his provision for your sin, his provision for our holiness. Think about this for a minute. He has made provision for you and I to be holy. We're, we were not able to be holy on our own. I, I don't have to convince anyone in this room that that's the case. But he's actually said this about us. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the scripture said. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not because of what you've done, but because of what God has done. So any effort that we try to put into being the righteousness of God is useless effort because we received that through faith. It says, what is, what is eternal life? That you believe in him who God sent, which is Christ Jesus, his son. If you believe in Christ, you have eternal life. Now, we respond and obey out of that place, but there's nothing we can do to add to that. Are you guys with me? You cannot work to become the righteousness of God. You were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, now turn and share the good news. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is important. This is important because a lot of us are spending a lot of effort trying to prove to ourselves that we're good enough when the reality is you are not. But Christ is in you so you can move on to better things. So when the enemy accuses you and says you do not have what it takes, then you and I can say, and I thank God that I don't have to. And I thank God that I don't have to because it's him in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so therefore, thank you for reminding me that God is not requiring me to have what it takes. He's requiring me to believe that Christ in me is actually bringing about the purposes of God in me and through me. But certainly, I'm not the only one doing it. Certainly, it's not up to me. 
Are you guys catching this? This is very basic. This is very simple. But this is so foundational, and I do believe that many of us actually miss this. And we end up striving, and we end up trying to prove to ourselves and to God that we've got what it takes. And he's like, I never expected you to have what it takes. I just expected you to come to me and let me give you what you need every single time. Rest is a result of knowing that God is in charge. Therefore, I can trust that I can be obedient and know that he is taking care of everything else as well as those who are also being obedient. As well as the fact that there are others that are being obedient. Come with me to Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. God is saying this to the Israelites as they're preparing to cross the Red Sea. God is working on their behalf. He's just taken them out of 400 years of slavery. And he's bringing them, he's brought them to the Red Sea. And the Egyptians are coming to kill them. Can you imagine that moment? You're, you're, you're just absolutely outgunned. You're completely dependent upon the Lord. And he says to them, be still. Be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. In this season, in this time, this word is just as true right now as it was when God was bringing the Israelites through the Red Sea. It's the same invitation that we're being given. And as we look around in this moment, what we look at is we look at a world that's way too big for us. How many of you guys have felt overwhelmed lately? I mean, when you look at the bigness of what's going on, as we walk around and we put masks on right now before we can go into stores, and as we look at the political landscape and you're just kind of like, whew, that's, that's what that is. And then you look at the world and the world's going crazy. And the economy's going crazy. And it's like, man, I got Egypt behind me. I got a Red Sea in front of me. I, what am I even supposed to do, Lord? And this word is the same for us right now that God has actually told us, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. We're invited to actually rest in the promises of what God will do. That, that has not changed. And the fact that you and I don't have the answer right now, like no one in this room is smart enough to know what the answer is right now. And if you are smart enough to know what the answer is right now, then you need to stay after. We're going to pray over you. <laughs> Ask the Lord to deliver you from that. Because it's too big for us. You see, being, being invited into the rest that God has given us is actually an invitation to be small. It's an invitation to say, Lord, these things are actually only going to be dealt with. They're only going to be handled if you yourself handle them. And so therefore, because I trust you, I'm going to be still and I'm going to rest in the, in the reality of you being in charge. And it does two things. One, you get to have peace and take a breath. You're bigger than this stuff. And then two... Lord, what is it that is my job right now in this moment? Because in this, in this particular situation, Exodus 14, 14, he says, I want you to be still. And then what did he do? 
He parted the Red Sea, and then they had one job. What was it? Walk through. They had one job. You guys, I need you to walk through. Because once you walk through, I'm going to do another thing. But you have one job to do. Guys, when, as we're being invited into the way of peace, as we're invited into rest and Sabbath, what we're doing is we're actually resting in the reality that we trust that God is actually in charge. And that allows us then to be obedient in the places that he has called us to do certain things. Most of us have at least one job. It's usually a couple of things we're working on, but it's usually not ten. He's given us each assignments that he has called us to do. As it were, he's given us the assignment to walk through the Red Sea when he parts it. He doesn't ask us to part the Red Sea. That's the part where we rest and say, Lord, you are in charge. But he does ask us to show up in our place and space of influence that he's called us to. Are you guys seeing that? And, and in this rest, by the way, this is, a, this is a huge thing right now. The spirit of the world says you need, to be, you need to be informed about everything. You need to have an opinion about everything. You need to be a, a, an activist about everything. You need to repost about everything. You need to be really angry and outraged about everything. And you need to change and save the world. Now go. And you're like, I mean, it's paralyzing. Is anyone understanding what I'm saying? And, 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 and I don't. We, we can't blame the world for acting like the world. They're still working really hard to impress everyone and prove something to everyone, most of all themselves. The spirit of the world acts like the spirit of the world, but we are not of the spirit of the world. And so we're called to something that's actually better. We have the Prince of Peace in us calling us to live a certain way. And so suddenly, instead of saying, okay, Lord, you have called us to be a part of the redemption of the world. That's true. However, you are the one that's redeeming the world, and you're doing it through the body of Christ, but you have not given me the, the ability or the bigness to personally handle all of that. You've given me one very small part of the greatest miracle and redemption plan in all of history that you are doing. Are you guys seeing this? So suddenly I can rest in my mandate from the Lord to walk when the sea opens. And your mandate might be uh, to, to serve on, on a school board. Your mandate might be to educate your children right now. Your mandate might be to work in the medical field. Your mandate may be to be facilitating one of these groups. And there's more, than one, there's more than one thing, but what you've got to catch is this. He's not asking you to do that and this and this and this and this and this and that and be educated on every issue that's going on. He, he actually has given you these loving limits that are an invitation to be obedient in what he's called you to do and to trust that others are being obedient in what he hasn't called you to do. It's not that he doesn't care about those other things. It's that he hasn't asked you to do those other things. There's actually, there's a humility here. There's a humility and a trust that invites us to be a people of rest. Resting from our own works. Resting from our own self-sufficiency. Resting from the accusations of the enemy where he tries to get us to act and move and serve in places that God's not actually asking us to go to. And we end up paralyzed at a certain point. Or maybe if you even do get in there, maybe at best you're really, really angry and horrible to be around 
while you save the world. Is that, is that resonating with anyone? And so, so God's actually given us as a part of this rest that we can trust he's very, very big and we're very, very small, but we carry a small part of a very, very big mission. It's an, it's an integral part of the mission. And when you and I rest in that, which is ultimately trust in his mission and his character, when we rest in that, we also are invited to recognize, hey, if I'm being faithful with, you know, freezer meals and, and, and these kinds of things, then that means also, Lord, if I'm faithful there with what he's called me to, then I can also trust that others are being faithful with what you called them to. Do you see that? That I can trust. You remember Elijah? It's a great example. Is Elijah was having a bad day. He, he did everything that the Lord had asked him to do. You know, he went and he, he, he confronted the idols of Baal of that day, right? And, and, I mean, it's a miraculous day. We've got fire that comes down from heaven, burns up the, miraculously burns up the water and the sacrifice. And then he kills all the priests of that day. I mean, this was a different epic time. And, um, and he's thinking, and y- you know what he was believing for? He was believing for a revival of the nation. So all this incredible stuff happens, and the nation, there's no revival. In fact, at the end of the day, after all those miracles, there isn't repentance. And then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And he runs away. And he says to the Lord, Lord, I'm the only one. Just, I wish, just take me home, you know? Take me home, Lord. I've been faithful. Clearly Israel doesn't want to repent. I'm the only righteous one here. Just take me home. And what he's saying basically is a lot of the same prayer we see now. It's like, Lord, it's so big and bad, and it's just the 12 of us, Lord. Just come and take us home and end it. And the Lord says to Elijah in that moment, there are thousands that have not bowed their knee. You're not the only one, Elijah. Well, that words for us as we're in this place of rest is that when we embrace the smallness that he's given us and we be obedient with what he's called us to, we also get to recognize we're not the only ones that are being obedient. He's called, and literally over a billion people right now, call upon the name of Jesus. And we can believe and trust that each one that he's called is faithfully and obediently as he's giving them grace and ability to, they're responding to Jesus just like you and I are. So suddenly we're there empowered to say, well, far be it from me that I'm going to leave my place where you've called me to serve and extend the kingdom. Because I'm going to be faithful in my area knowing, Lord, that I'm not the only one. I can rest in knowing that it's you that's working in and through the people of God to bring your kingdom. And so we're able to, we're able to be faithful in our area. It's, a, it's humbling and it gives us confidence and peace to do extremely well with great love the small things that he's called each of us to do. Amen? Can you guys receive that? And, and, and I'm telling you, this is the area where the enemy attacks you because he goes, look at the whole world, it's on fire. It's literally on fire. What are you going to do about it? Where's your God now? And, and we, we're like, ah! And then, and then we actually leave the place of influence where you're empowered by the presence and the person of Jesus to serve so that you can run around with your hair on fire and post about it a whole bunch. Or maybe go yell at some people in the street. And are you guys, are you guys seeing that? Now, who do, you think, who do you think is stirring that up? Your enemy is stirring that up. 
Because he knows that you are profoundly powerful with the grace of God himself to do the small things that we're called to with great love, and it changes the world. We are salt and light. We are people who rest in the purpose and the person of Jesus Christ and the mission we've been called to. Isn't that beautiful? And, that, and that's not hyperbole. That's not just a cute sentiment. That's the genius of what God's called us to do. We are able to walk and rest from our own pictures of aggrandizement. I need to be a celebrity in order to help the Lord. No, we don't need any more celebrities. What we need is people of peace who understand how to rest in the promises and the person of Jesus Christ, who shows up as a preschool teacher, who shows up as a mother, who shows up as a policeman, who shows up as someone who's working uh, in the system to get rid of systemic issues, who's, who shows up to plant garden, plant and garden, plant garden, who shows up to teach people how to speak. Come with me to Hebrews 4, 9 through 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his work. Does see that typo? As God did from his. We have this invitation then. It's a gift that God gives through his effort. When we're entering into rest, we actually begin to see that we've received an inner stillness from the accusations on the inside that we spoke of earlier. That that inner accusation that you're not enough, suddenly we actually, that causes us to always move to gratitude from now on. When the inner accusation comes, because it does come. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, you're not doing enough. Yeah, that was great, but it wasn't enough. Oh, you helped that person, but what about the 10,000 other people? Oh, you helped this one child that needs a home, but what about all the children that don't have a home? And you're, it's just like, oh my gosh. But, but, but we are able to answer that to say, Lord, it's by your strength. And God, you've, you've given me the opportunity to say yes and the grace to do that. And that means you'll also raise up my brother and my sister and my other brother and my other sister and on and on and on to deal with the greatness and the bigness of it. But I can speak to that inner murmur and it actually leads me to gratitude that it's through you that I've received rest. And I add faith to it to say, Lord, my faith is not in my own ability. You didn't save me so that I could then rely on my own ability. Like I'm just a nicer version of me. Well, the nicer version of tiny little you is still not enough. And so it moves us to gratitude to say, thank you, Lord. I do appreciate that I'm a nicer version, tiny little me. But thank you also that I'm still tiny little me. Thank you that I'm a part of the greatness of this giant mission of which we're a part. And therefore, I can rest from both the hubris and the accusations of the enemy that would cause me to do more than you're asking me to do. Is that, is that getting in? That it's actually either pride or fear that would drive me to do more than you're asking me to do. I need to do what you ask me to do. And then I have gratitude that it's you, O oh Lord, that will complete the good work. And this is a huge part. I want to finish with this. That you and I, we, we get to rest in knowing that I won't complete the work on earth. 
Therefore, I get to faithfully do my part. Let that sink in. You and I get to rest in the invitation. We get to rest in the reality that you and I will not complete the good work. He will. So therefore, you and I can be faithful to do our part of the good work. Like, think about right now. I I was thinking of uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., and his dream was that our children would play together and that race would no longer be an issue, that everyone would be judged by the content and character of their heart. Not the color of their skin, but the content and character of their heart. That was what Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said. And, And he was killed. He didn't get to see the finish of the work that God made him a part of, but he was faithful. He was faithful. And you and I are getting to be a part of seeing the fullness of that come. Aren't you glad he did his part? But he didn't get to see it. He didn't get to see it happen. And we get to see it happen. We get to be obedient and faithful with everything that he's called us to do, knowing that it's the Father's desire that we will see everything, everything in its time come to pass that he would be glorified for the desire that he has in his kingdom. And we rest in that knowing that we get to be a part of it. And that pressure that the enemy does use against us to try to get us essentially, well, honestly, just to overexert. I mean, guys, it's, it's, not, that, it's not that difficult. I'm over here like, man, I got to make this really deep. I got to really, oof. it's not deep. It's not deep at all. We just foolishly get sucked in all the time by overwork. We get all exhausted because we're getting just run over by the spirit of the world, accusations of the enemy, and then our own bad habits of thinking about it. Like, I'm not enough. I didn't do enough. It wasn't good enough. This dinner that I made for these people, it, wasn't, it was too dry. The meat was too dry. Well, I never get things done. And it's like, what is this? Well, you're exhausted. And you're so used to criticizing yourself, you actually think that God is like that. And he's not. It's enough. It's enough, and, even the, and, and, and if you're faithful with everything that he's called you to do, rest in this, it won't be enough. Isn't that great news? <laughs> like, is it? It is, because what we get to do is be rewarded to be a part of what he is doing. So suddenly we're released from that pressure, we're released from that personal, um, that self yeah, there's words for it. It's not about us. We get to be a part of something that's about him that involves us. And suddenly we can say, Lord, thank you for letting me play a part in your huge plan. Thank you that I get to rest in knowing that if I'm obedient in my area, that I got to be a part of what you're doing, but it's never completely on me. It's never... It's never all about me. I don't have to deal with that kind of pressure. You've actually given me these limitations as a gift, and so I can rest in your limitlessness. Are you guys able to receive this? So I just want to pray for you. Um, You know, sometimes you're talking about something, you're so excited about it, and it's such a big deal that you feel like, I guess we just sang a song about that, right? It's like you feel like, oh, I wish I could come up with words that were big enough to make this as big as it is. Well, I'm resting in that this, this message was not enough. But he is. He is. And he's in each of us. And so I want to just pray. And, uh, and I pray that, that this word really does take root in our hearts, that we would rest 
in what he's doing right now, that he's parting the sea, that he's bringing the next great awakening, and that we get to be a part of whatever he's given us for our season. Let us just be found faithful in that and rest in that, amen? Let's leave the outcome to him, but let's be faithful with our part. Can we receive that? All right, well, you just put your hands out. I just want to pray over you, and, uh, and uh, that's just a you know, physical sign of just saying, Lord, sure, <laughs> I'll take more. Lord God, I bless your people today. You're the Prince of Peace. Lord, we, we add faith to your invitation to enter into your rest. We're, we're not going to be like those that hardened their hearts, Lord, in the, in, in, the, in the desert, as Hebrews said. They had the same word preached to them, Lord, but they didn't add faith to it. They didn't believe that you're as good as you say you are and as big as you say you are and as kind. But we say, Lord, we do believe you're that good. And we do believe that Jesus did it all. So therefore, we receive we receive the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of your Holy Spirit, the gift of forgiveness of sins, and the gift of getting to be on the job, Lord, for whatever small part you let us play. We're just grateful to be a part of your big, huge, awesome kingdom. I pray for a spirit of rest and restoration over us as the people. And in closing, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I speak to every illegitimate weight, every illegitimate call, every accusation, every thought, process, program, or stronghold, every demonic oppression, every false call that has been put upon this people by the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I rebuke you. I tell you to remove right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come and fill every room in our house, Lord. Every vestige of our mind, every place in our heart where those false things once resided, fill it with your Spirit, Lord. We love you, God. Amen.